Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. Benny, how are you doing this morning? Doing awesome. Are you stretching? Can we stretch? Always stretching. Gotta stay limber here and here in the old studio for you. <laughs> Make sure we're all good to go for all the spiritual power you're bringing us. Woohoo! Come on, March! <laughs> oh, right? Oh. Spring couldn't get here any quicker. <laughs> I know. I've everybody's kind of dragging around. I'm I'm doing what I can to right? you know, stay up there. But man, my clients have all been like they all they're all showing up kind of like. Mm, oh. Well, a lot of them last week had breaks. I know my kids didn't, but uh, my girlfriend's uh, kids had a break at their school, so they're kind of coming oh, back, good. and they're like, it's so dr like you know dragging their first week back, and you gotta. Well, now we've had snow and. Yeah, but that's fun. I don't know why yeah. people are bummed about that. Yeah. Must be the Alaskan yeah. in me. The Is that what it is? Yeah, it probably is. The colder, the better. Uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but not my heart. That's right. Oh, oh. oh. oh there we go. Oh, that did it for me. I'm all good now. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I have to get my my Benny fix or something, Aww. right? You know? That's great. Anyway, I hope everybody out there, you're doing good. I have a wonderful guest today. And, oh, I can't wait to bring him on. Of course, I'm going to do my little opening parts here and then get him on. You're going to really want to listen to this show, and it might challenge you a little bit. Um, So I do have a Reiki 2 class coming up this coming Sunday, March 5th. And if you want to learn Reiki, go to schedule.reikioasis.com and sign up for the class. And also, you can email me at reikioasis at gmail.com if you have questions about it. Um, there's always something going on there. Uh, you can schedule everything at schedule.reikioasis.com. And just a big reminder, I'm in the office on Wednesdays and Fridays and Monday, Tuesday and Thursday. You are going to get a Zoom call with me or a remote session. I just have people all over the world and it just that's just kind of what has happened. So I hope you stay in your beautiful positive energy because boy, do we have a lot of stuff going on in the sky. In fact, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to condense it this morning because I don't want to spend a whole hour on astrology, but we've got stuff happening today. March 2nd is what we call a lucky day. And for those of you that have been watching the skies, we have Venus and Jupiter kissing each other. They're Aww. very, very close. I know. Adorable. Isn't that adorable? <laughs> I know. And Big Daddy Jupiter's like, come on, believe in yourself. You can do it. And Venus is like, well, it's love. It's love, baby. Aww. Right? <laughs> and and it's in uh, next to that moon, which we've got a big full moon in Pisces. So we have both the moon and the sun in Pisces. Oh, I know. So it is magical. It is something that can bring really good luck or just really good energy, the beauty, beauty and miracles and things like that, because these two planets are called the two benefit benefits or the benefit beneficence. <laughs> Try to say that fast 10 times. And the ancients called them that because they're both associated with all the good things. So they did conjunct uh, last night. And so they're just really, really close. And um, by the time, um, and then Jupiter and, and Chiron, there's all kinds of things happening. Uh, um, <clears throat> we're having a time of healing right now with Chiron in Aries. And uh, Jupiter's helping out with that too, where we're trying to heal the our original wound. 
what is the original wound? Well, it's probably a discussion, but a lot of it has to do with the wound of our own identity. Who are we? Why are we here? Are we born in original sin or is there something else going on? Just kind of just saying, I have a great guest coming up in a minute, right? Um, but for the next two weeks, we're really going to be working on this kind of shifting of that of those concepts. Um, man, I could go further into that, but I'm not going to do it. Um, we also have, like I said, we've got a full moon, a Virgo full moon coming up on Tuesday, March 7th. And that sets off, like I said, March is so busy astrologically. I just can't cover it all today. Um, but it's going to bring us some very uh, strong creative energy. It carries a healing vibration, guiding us to seek out what will be of most benefit to us right now. So self-care is first on the list. Take care of yourself or you cannot help other people. Your well cannot be dry. Tuesday, at, at just an hour after the Virgo full moon, Saturn moves into Pisces. And I've been talking about this forever. It's one of the biggest cosmic events of 2023. Saturn moved into Aquarius in December of 2020 under a faded alignment known as the Great Conjunction. This rare alignment paved the way for the unfolding of a massive karmic cycle between December 2020 and now. Whoa, think back on what was happening in your life and in the world over this last period of time. It'll help you kind of take a look at what that was all about. A lot of people have been talking about, you know, I mean, just before Saturn moves, it leaves us, quote unquote, a gift of some kind, but it sometimes doesn't look exactly the way that you thought it did. And I, I do have a lot of people who are going through kind of what I call the remnants of what they've unearthed in their life or what is coming to the surface, right? Because it's coming up for us to really take a look at it. But on the 7th of March, Saturn is moving into Pisces, where it will remain until February 14th of 2026. Saturn is the Lord of Karma. It travels around through the Zodiac and kind of stirs things up. And um, as it moves into Pisces, which is the last sign of the Zodiac, um, Saturn's move indicates a completion on a bigger cycle, a massive cycle of our evolutionary process. Pisces is a water sign. It represents the light, the dark, the unseen world. You know, it's got those two fishes swimming around. And it's known for its abstract ideas, its creativity, its compassion, its sensitivity, and going with the flow. However, here's the deal. Pisces is mutable water, which means it's adaptable. It's free-flowing. It's open to the energies of the world around it. And Saturn is grounded earthy energy, and it rules things like law, boundaries, responsibilities, and restrictions. So when boundaries and restrictions come up against the flow of water, it might feel like a dam has kind of blocked the flow. But what's really trying to go on here is we're trying to be redirected, redirected into a more productive and a, and a more uh, beneficial direction. So when this kind of energy is in the sky, it, it's asking us to level up. It's like, what, what's going on? You can't just do an, anything you want to do anytime you want to do it, even though some of my clients would argue with me. So what kind of a world are we going to create? That, what can we create? Where are we at? So 
Anyway, I'm going to go back to the kissing of Jupiter and Venus and the moon. Remember that, well, I'm just going to say this. You might be more powerful than you think you are. Hmm. That brings me into my guest. So I have a wonderful guest today. Neil Douglas Klotz is an internationally known scholar in the fields connecting religious studies, comparative, Semitic, hermeneutics, and psychology, as well as a poet and a musician. He is the past chair of the Mysticism Group of the American Academy of Religion and active in various international colloquia and conferences dedicated to peace and spirituality. His best-selling works include Prayers of the Cosmos, Desert Wisdom, The Hidden Gospel. I love the titles of those books. And the Genesis Meditations. And we're going to talk about his book, Revelations of the Aramaic Jesus, where Neil brings Aramaic translations of Jesus's recorded words and teachings through his native tongue and answers many questions clearly and consistently, even if unexpectedly, no matter which gospel you have in your hands. Welcome to the show, Neil. I am thrilled to have you here. Thanks, Loretta. And thanks for that astrology uh, forecast. My, my wife had told me about the, uh, the Venus-Jupiter thing because she's astrology trained, oh. but um, I hadn't heard, uh, you know, these, this Pisces-Saturn uh, thing. So that is, that's, yeah, that's, that was very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. And, and it's a big effect for the next three years. I've been talking about it with my clients. Uh -huh. like, where is that in your chart and what does that really yeah. mean? But yeah. um, you know as well as I do that we've got a lot of changes right here. <laughs> it's happening right now, people. It's happening yep. right now. Yep, that's right. <clears throat> so I have this amazing book. Revelations of the Aramaic Jesus. And I, I really mean like I was riveted and wished I could memorize it, right? Like I'm probably going to go back through it. You know, I was raised in the church. And so I, I know a lot about, you know, the Bible. Um, but I want to kind of uh, just insert a little bit here about you and how you got into this work, because I want people to understand how long you've been doing this, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I've been doing it <clears throat> sort of academically for the last 40 years. But before that, you know, what was spurred my interest was, you know, more of an inner directedness. You know, it was more of a spiritual set feeling for Jesus that I had from my youth, which did not line up with what the church was telling me. Okay. So this, <clears throat> you know, this is what drives things. I mean, one can't just do such projects for decades just from an intellectual basis, it's it's impossible. I mean, one could, but then, you know, you become like sort of a talking head sort of idiot. So, and I hope I'm not that anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I, you know, I gathered all this from the last 40 years in this book. In even though I have these previous books, this sort of tries to bring it all together, make sense of it all and integrate it. So, so when I talk about Aramaic, right? So, you know, this was Jesus's original language that he spoke in. Can you talk a little bit about Aramaic? Where was it? Where is it on planet Earth? And why does it matter what language he used? Yeah, uh, it, it, yeah, that's good first question, Loretta. <laughs> Aramaic, <clears throat> which is related to uh, ancient Hebrew, 
was the common spoken language uh, in Jesus' time in that area, particularly, I could say, exclusively amongst people who were not wealthy or upper-class people. So a few people may have spoken Greek or Roman, since the Romans were dominating that area. They were sitting on everyone. They were the empire in charge at the time. But all of Jesus' listeners, as we know, are poor people, uh, and they all spoke this uh, Aramaic language. Now, you know, why it matters is that Aramaic and all the Semitic languages, when I say Semitic, I mean things ranging from ancient Egyptian to Babylonian to Hebrew to Aramaic to Canaanite to classical Arabic. These are all called Semitic languages. They work in a very different way than our normal languages do. And this is the big, this is the punchline. They have a very different worldview. They have a very different view of life, the world, reality, where we came from, where we're going, than any translation language, uh, particularly than any modern translation language, any European language. So, and that I can I can speak a bit more about that. But that's why it matters. And uh, and people have only heard Jesus' sayings through these other languages. English or a European language mostly, or not a non-Semitic language. So there is subconsciously, in many of us who are raised Christian, there are still, you could say, nooks and crannies where we have all this, all this stuff that got lodged in us, which is usually we could call something like shame or guilt or, you know, uh, any, any of that stuff, and it's, it hides in, in crevices that is deeply embedded in us from childhood. So this is one of the reasons I undertook this journey, you could say, and uh, and why it's been helpful to other people. I, I want to ask you, and you may or may not be able to answer this question, because I understand the journey, right? Okay, so something drew you into this, and you're like, I've got to go back and take a look at what he actually said in his own language. Um, you know, I've lived in other countries, and I, I actually understand that I often say English is so limited, right? Like, like even this word love, what the heck does that mean? We just uh -huh. have that one word and, you know, what, where, where do we go with that? Yeah, that's right. So you have so many examples in your book of the translations, right? Going back to the Aramaic, how it kind of changes things. So like I said, I want to ask this question, might not have an answer. During your uh, journey, your evaluation of this, your discovery of this, how did it change you? Well, um, one of the major ways it changed me, Loretta, is that uh, in these languages, I'd say first and foremost, there is no separation, there's no border, there's no boundary between what is going on within me and what is around me. This is very, very different than modern culture and the way modern languages construed things. You know, you know, I, my subconscious, my inner world, my feeling world, my emotions, they're only to do with me. They have no relation to what's going on around me. And this was not the view of Aramaic or any of actually the ancient Semitic languages. So, you know, the sort of work that you're doing with Reiki or with astrology, I mean, th this would have been automatically acknowledged, not these names necessarily. Right. Certainly astrology would have been, but, you know, this the sense that we're open to the cosmos, that we're affected by, by nature, by the stars, by the planets, by what's all around us, and that these are all manifestations of, you could say, the divine 
this is understood by Jesus and his listeners. They almost don't have to say it. It gets covered over because of very, very strange translations where you have things like the kingdom of God is within you or the kingdom of God is among you. Well, it's, he always says the same things both times because he couldn't say two different things. So the within is always around and among. You know, the inner and the outer are always connected. So this, this changed my whole view of, of what he's talking about and changed the view of my life. So you know, then you have to deal with your own inner work in order to change your life in the world and to change the world, so to speak. That's that's a big shift. Well, I I love what you said. Um, you brought that into at least a level that I can tro- I can understand what you're saying. So, if you know, and we'll just say Jesus, Yeshua, right? Um, yeah. You know, so if if his concept is that we are we are a part of all of this, it is not separate than us. Then when he says the kingdom of heaven is within. Tell us a little bit more about what he he might have really said there, especially in the Aramaic. Uh, well, the the key term here, which I go into in the Hidden Gospel, but also in the New Book, is Malkuta de Alaha, or Malkuta de, de Shmaya. Malkuta, which is usually translated as kingdom, is actually queendom, because it's feminine gendered. And actually, when I looked up the Greek, the, even the Greek is feminine gendered. So it never should have been translated kingdom to the begin with, um, it, but it shouldn't have been candidated. It should not have been translated either kingdom or queendom because these are feudal concepts of kings and queens. And even though there were kings and queens in the Middle East at that time, this whole notion of a kingdom, a queendom, you know, the the serfs, the lords, the ladies, all this gets layered over, you know, about round about the Middle Ages or 16th century, really, 16th, 17th century. So he's talking about that within us, which is this unique combination, Malkuta, what is translated as that is this unique combination of a vision, one who has a vision for one's life, and the energy to accomplish this vision. So, or you could say a, a clear vision, a true vision, always comes with a, not only an aha, but it comes with a, mm, you know, it comes with life energy attached to it. Those are melded together in this, in this thing called Malkuta. So I translated in most, many of my books as I can, to make it less, you could say, obscure, because we all have this within us. It's not like we have to download it from somewhere. When we're children, at a certain stage, we would say, you know, we say to our mother, hey, mom, I can do this myself. Let me do this myself. I can, you know, and so we have this natural tendency to want to, yeah, let me try that. Let me try, let me go for that. You know, I can do this. You know, I, I can, you know, you don't have to. So, and then we learn how to manage that through our lives in a helpful, in a healthful way. So this Malkuta is a big, big feature of Jesus' teaching. He gives parables and stories and sayings and all sorts of things. How do we find that within us? Wow. That's, yeah, I love, I love how you explain that. So it is a part of me, the kingdom of heaven is within it. However, that means so much more when you the way that you just said that well we come into this life you know with that potential we -hmm. come in and then so it's up to us it gets awakened naturally as i mentioned does it get awakened in a healthy way or not so much so our life journey is partially about that discovering 
this canness. What does it mean to be able to do something? And what does I mean? Who, who am I? Who is the I that is speaking? Is it just me and this body, or is this I connected to something greater? And that's the other main thing Jesus tries to point out, is that this I that we call ourself, our ego, whatever you want to call it, is not isolated. Um, it's connected to a source. We download, I use the word download, but yeah. it's, you know, come. We, we, we come in with this sense of, of an I, of an individualness. Mm-hmm. How do we manage that? so that we can learn, so that we can grow, so we can love, so we can discover what we need to do while we're here in in these bodies. Well, and I'm also thinking when you're talking about, you know, the, the realization that people have at some point where they can do something, quote, evil, right? Yes. I yes. can do, quote, good, and I can, quote, do evil. So, yes, this this is the issue of choice, you see, Loretta. Yeah, and, and choice is part of that 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 <laughs> gift that we're given. It's it is we talk about this the gift of freedom. You know, we have the freedom to do what Jesus would call that which is ripe, is right timing, the right time, the right place, in tune with the universe, and we have the choice to do that which is unripe, that which is like a like a fruit that is not yet ripened or that is fully rotten and we need to compost it, you know, these are, these are choices. And he points this out throughout the Gospels. It's just that these words for ripe and unripe are usually translated good and evil, so they get launched into these religious categories or conceptual categories. Well, that's, this is good and that's not good and this is evil and that's going to take you to hell and, you know, all yada, 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 the whole thing. So, um, when you well, read it through the Aramaic, it, it all becomes clear. Jesus says, you know, like, look at nature around you. Be ripe. Be ripe. You know, as much as possible. You will be unripe at certain times because that's the nature of life. But, you know, take your attunement from life around you, from nature around you. I'm thinking of the verse in the Bible, you, you shall know a tree by its fruit, right? Perfect. Whether the fruit being good or you good know, or evil. Good, yeah, good exactly. Evil. Right. Yeah. yeah, I begin my the Hidden Gospel book with that quote because it's so impactful. It, it impacts people so deeply. What did this poor tree do to be bad? You know, it's like, come on, you know. So, but he's, he's just pointing to nature. And this is mostly what this is what goes on in the Gospels, um, where these things are translated into these later, these, these concepts that develop much later that are overlaid onto Jesus's sayings. Yeah, and, and I am, uh, for some reason, going back to this idea of original sin. Yeah, so sure. This <laughs> idea that I'm intrinsically bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. How, how do we step away from that? Like, how does this, maybe even your book, the revelations, right, of, of the Aramaic Jesus, Jesus you know, because I'm thinking a lot about how people are trained, especially here in Western culture, um, about that concept, original sinner, we're, we're intrinsically bad, or we've got to do all this stuff, or Jesus needs to save us, right? Can you just kind of walk through that a little bit with us? Yeah, yeah sure, happy to. Um, well, original sin, yeah, that's clear. It's not in the Bible. It was never in the Bible. You can read Genesis a whole different way, 
which is what I do in one of my books called Original Meditation. And uh, my friend Matt, Matthew Fox, who many people have heard about, his book Original Blessing, Matthew Fox Original Blessing, just takes totally this whole idea of original sin apart. It comes from about, uh, from this later Christian uh, thinker, St. Augustine, who some people will have heard about. Uh, and St. Augustine on a bad day comes up with this idea of original sin. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it, it, and even when people reject Christianity and go to some other religion or spirituality, a lot of this, as I say, it gets lodged in nooks and crannies of our psyche. And it's, you know, you have to sort of like, okay, let's clear that out now. And, you know, because Jesus has a lot to say about why he's there. He never says, you know, I've, I've come to save you. Uh, he never says you need to save your soul. Jesus doesn't say we need to save our soul. He says we need to let our soul save us because our soul is what is always connected to the divine. Whether we do that through a religion or through something else, it's always connected. We just need to be more aware of it. You know, I'm I'm having an interesting experience talking to you. Number one, I love this conversation. Um, but I'm also thinking about some other people that I've interviewed for my show that are coming from different sure. modalities. <clears throat> who have also shared, like it's it, like it just rang in my head, let the soul save you has been a recurrent theme recently for several guests. And I'm, uh, whenever that happens, I really pay attention to it. Like you, you're yeah. saying something that we need to hear. Yeah, that's, really the, that's a major, that's a major theme that comes out of Jesus's teachings. And, you know, that's it's in, not to sell the new book, but I mean, you know, that's why we're here. Well, I don't <laughs> we know. We're, here, we're, to here, to, we're yeah, here to yeah. help. We're here to help people. But you know, anyway, it's in the book, so <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> no, we we do. I do want people to read this book, right? <laughs> like uh, Neil du Douglas Claude's Revelations of the Aramaic Jesus. Um, if you're intrigued so far by what we're saying, and if it's challenging you, um. I, I'm a firm believer and read things and ask questions. You know, I think we get ourselves into yeah. trouble because we don't ask the questions. Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. part of our part of our culture. Unfortunately, we believe things just because they're written down or posted somewhere and enough said. Or, or we memorize them, which takes me back to the power of language, right? The power yes. of language, which... <clears throat> You know, like I, I was taught everything in English, you know, from from King James Bible. Right. You know, and I have those things etched inside me, you know, um, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Right. And yep. I had an idea of what I thought that meant. What does that actually mean? Yeah, Aramaic. that's that. I love that because I was just looking at that passage yesterday, Loretta. Um, <laughs> To do something with that because it's in one of my books but uh, i'll i'll give you the you know the overview of that one it's it's you know the, i would say this is a digression i learned a lot of things by heart also as it was called you know that means you just memorize 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 well there is an advantage of that um first of all there's a lot that you can unearth you know from that and then reframe it to use a common term. And the second is learning things by heart is actually very, very good because it actually is by heart. So we just need to clarify, purify the heart of the things that are maybe misheard or misinterpreted by us. So let's get on to that passage uh, in Matthew you mentioned, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God 
um, from the memory banks, Baudain Luchtam Malkuta de Allaha Wazadikute. So, yeah, that's learning by heart. No, but um, what he says is this is beautiful. You'll love this. The word for seeking means has the connotation of being anxious, disturbed, or really like needing to find out something. I'm, I have this inner turmoil to find out, to find something, or to accomplish something, or to do something. And Yeshua says, okay, whatever that is, whatever that may be, that's cool. <laughs> he doesn't say that's cool, but you know, I'm, this is a loose, <laughs> a loose translation from the Aramaic. You want the exact stuff? Go to the book. But anyway. I want to hear that in Aramaic. That's cool. <laughs> You understand. So, I do. I do. My heart's with you. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm toning down the academic jargon. So anyway, so he says, if you feel anxious, realize this is your soul. You know, you're always on, you're always connected part of your being that wants to reconnect with Malkuta, with the sense of the I can that is all around you in the cosmos, that is in the divine that you came in with. It wants you to reconnect with your real purpose. And then it says, Wazadikute. And then he says, this will, this is what they translate, your kingdom of God and his righteousness. But this is what they translate as righteousness. He says, this will clarify, this will give you clarity about what you're looking at now, what you're anxious about now. This will straighten you out, which is the literal meaning of the word Zadikute. You know, if you feel sort of crooked and, oh, I'm upset and this and that and the other thing, okay, breathe, I don't know, breathe something. You can breathe Aramaic or you can breathe, just breathe and connect. I don't care, you know, it can all work. And then, and then just take a moment and then see if that, if you can connect deeply enough, that will straighten out what's in front of you, what you feel that you have to do. Maybe it, you don't have to do it exactly now, or maybe you don't have to do it really at all. Yeah, that's just an example. So, um, but yeah, that's a beautiful passage. It's one of my favorite ones, really. So he says also then, um, ah, what is it? This he says each day. This is beautiful in Aramaic. Uh, in in the King James, it says, "Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof." You may recall this. Yes. But in Aramaic, the evil, of course, is bisha. Which, me, which is this unripeness I mentioned five minutes ago. Each day, he's, Yeshua says, carries its own sense of, yeah, each day carries its own sense of unripeness. That means don't hold on to it. You know, maybe I wasn't perfect there. Maybe I wasn't exactly in time, in tune there. Well, let it go. You know, today's another day. Yeah. So he says, then he says, each day completes itself with his own share of unripeness. Each day completes itself. Let that day be complete. And then another of the passages he says um, is, well, tomorrow means things depart. Because the word for tomorrow uh, actually means things depart in Aramaic. And uh, another part of this passage is, and I'll just give you the Aramaic, he says, when you empty yourself, which is part of this searching, boiling energy. When you empty yourself, a bit of yourself, the universe will fill you. The universe will fill you with, with what you need right now. 
It's great. This is a what I was going to say, one of my favorite short passages. It's not in the new book, sorry. Disclaimer. <laughs> it is in my book, Desert Wisdom. Uh, in, so, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, I love that because you hit on kind of what I have always called my life of verses. And um, I remember pondering, 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 sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And I uh -huh. pondered, pondered, pondered. And I finally got to where I would just say to myself, that's enough for today, Loretta. <laughs> right? You got it in one, Loretta. Yeah. That's it. That's enough for today. Just move on. Tomorrow's another day, right? Well, exactly. Anyway, yeah. uh, we're going to take a little station break. And I am loving this conversation. My guest, Neil Douglas Klotz. And we're talking about revelations of the Aramaic Jesus. And of course, he's written so many other wonderful books. Um, uh, I think I've become one of your book junkies. It happens. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a little station break. This is Loretta Brown. We'll be right back. Alternative Talk 1150 is your sports organization's safe bet when it comes to airing your team's games. Our players are all seasoned professionals when it comes to sports programming. Imagine your games being heard on local radio. Your team deserves the MVP treatment. Call 425-653-1150 today to learn how affordable and fun it is to broadcast your games on the radio. Call 425-653-1150 and make your next season something special. That's 425-653-1150. Did you know that Reiki healing can be done at a distance? It's true. So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment, find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. My husband, Alex Hussey, was hit by an IED in Afghanistan. I was playing man in foot patrol and I slept on the bomb. Lost my legs and my left hand in an explosion. And he suffered a severe traumatic brain injury. Yes. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. There are so many mountains to climb and we do it together. With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small. Seeing Alex learning how to snow ski, that's life-changing. DAV provides a lifetime of support to veterans of every generation, helping more than a million veterans each year. Alex did it. He skied down this mountain. That's something he won't forget. With the right support, there are no limits. To see him on that slope and smiling like that, we'll be taking this home. This has meant so much. Thank you, DAV. Alex Hussey, thank you for your service. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Woohoo! Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show. Maybe sometime we'll just do music, Benny. You can just DJ a bunch of music. Well, I, I can't it. do it without you. You'd have to be here, yeah, too. Yeah, I'd so. be here. All right, that's dance, okay, great. Dance, dance party Thursday. I don't know, right? <laughs> talk, talk to the big <laughs> boss about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Anyway, um, I am Loretta Brown. This is the, the original Loretta Brown show. And um, all these shows are archived. You can download them at the 1150 KKNW archives for the original Loretta Brown show. We're on iTunes, Podcast One, Spotify, Twitter, YouTube, Mega. What is it, Benny? 
mega something. Anyway, a whole bunch of platforms. Megaphone. And megaphone. Thank you. You're welcome. I, know, I can't remember that one. Yeah. And we're talking to Neil Douglas Klotz today, Revelations of the Aramaic Jesus. And it's really Jesus's, what did Jesus actually say in the Aramaic before it was translated to Greek or Roman or into English or whatever, right? Through all the translations. Yeah, um, I mean, we, we can, you can argue about, <clears throat> he had to speak Aramaic because his listeners were all Aramaic speakers. So... Uh, there is an Aramaic Bible. It's not a hidden text, although I wrote this book, The Hidden Gospel, but th there are Aramaic-speaking Christians today yeah. uh, who, who speak Aramaic in various parts of the Middle East, mostly in areas that are torn by conflict today, which is eastern Turkey, northern Syria, northern Iraq. Yeah. This whole area is the homeland for the traditional uh, Aramaic-speaking Christians of various denominations. So that's a bit of a historical sidelight. So you have so much in this book, I'm picking and choosing a little bit, but I would like to talk about um, the Aramaic Lord's Prayer. Sure. And I don't know if how long it takes to recite it, if that's appropriate, or if you just want to break it down, but could you please talk about the Aramaic Lord's Prayer? What does it actually say? I, I'm happy to do it. It's it's where I began all of this, Loretta, actually more than 40 years ago or 40 so years ago because I wanted to learn, you know, I, I learned this prayer by heart as we were talking about as a child and and that seemed to me the, the core of what Jesus was doing. But there are various parts of it which are not, which are confusing, we'll put it that way. And maybe misleading, especially toward the end. So what I'll do is I'll first I'll I'll say the whole prayer. It takes maybe thirty seconds to say, and then I'll okay. go through just a little bit line by line. Uh, my first book called Prayers of the Cosmos does go into this, but also I have a full explanation of it in the new book as well because I wanted to bring it all together. So whenever one prays in Aramaic or in the Semitic languages, one always centers in the heart first. Because the heart is the main thing. This was always the main thing. The head was nothing. The heart was the main. No, you, you may think this sounds new age or whatever, but it's not. You know, the Egyptians, they, you know, they saved the harp, the heart, you know, they just tossed the brain away when they, you know, when they embalmed the pharaohs. It's, like, it's true. But you know, it's like, you know, come on, yeah, you know, let's ugh, get rid of that. Yeah, it's gone, you know. So anyway, making light of this, but we breathe in the heart, and I'll just say the words, and I'll go through them line by line briefly. Aun de bashmaya, nitkadishmoch, dite malkutach, nekwe sivyana chaykana de bashmaya afpaara, hablan lachma de sun konan yamana, washbuklan chabein wachtehen. I cannot hanan shwakhanal hayyabin. Wila tachalan denisuna, illa potson ninbisha. Metul de lache mal kuta, wahaila wetesh buchta. La alam almin amen. La alam almin amen. So uh, before we go further, yeah, thanks. Alhamdulillah. Wow. Well, it's, you know, it's, Alhamdulillah, yeah. <laughs> It's Arabic, but anyway, you get the general yeah, drift of that. 
It's, you know, if people want to learn that, it's at my website, aboon, A-B-W-O-O-N.org. And there's a page where you can click on the different lines and, and you'll hear them. You can learn it from that or there's a download you can do. And, but this is the, this is the place. If, if, this in, if this captures you at all, I'm telling your listeners, this is the place to start. You actually don't need much more than this. Um, I shouldn't say that because I wrote all these books, but, you know, but no, but, but really this is a healing prayer. It's a protection prayer. Uh, it's an attunement prayer before you begin anything. It's, it's so rich. And I could, I could spend an hour with each of the lines, but we're not going to do that. So this is going to be a little bit quick. So excuse me, but you'll have to follow it up in one of the books or online at my site. Aun de Bashmaya. This is an opening. This is beyond the concept of gender, beyond father and beyond mother. Aun is, you could say, as many people have pointed out, sounds a bit similar to Aum. Yeah, it does. They're not directly related to, to, because of the language streams, but they do open in the same way. Ah opens to source. Bruh is a breath that comes from that source. Ooh, is this breath coming into us? And N anchors it. You could say it vibrates, really vibrates in my in body, in my body. So Abrun is a whole attunement in itself. If a person only learned that word in Aramaic and meditated on that, that would be enough. So Jesus's prayer starts out by saying, okay, attune here, Abrun. And this Abrun is not just and down this way, it's all around you. It's it's in all the realms of, he says, Diba Shemaya. It's in the realms of Shem, of light, of vibration, which is all around us. And this was the ancient Semitic idea of heaven. Heaven was was the realm of light, which is not just above us somewhere, but it's it's all around us. It's in nature, it's in the unseen, it's beneath us. So this Avun is not just somewhere else, but it's and some when else it is that, but it's also here and now. So it brings together these two beautiful, the here the nowness of it, and and not only that, it's not static. Nothing is static. Nothing is sitting still somewhere. You could say this energy of a moon is moving to and from us, from what is all around us, and we are we are within that. It doesn't make sense. Don't try to wrap your head around it. And then the prayer goes on in the first half to try to make set make space for that remembrance within us. That's why it says Nitkad Shemuch, usually translated uh, "Hallowed be Thy name." Here, your listeners can remember, although "Hallowed," which is the King James sort of archaic translation, "Hallowed" sounds a bit like "hollowing," which is actually closer to the Aramaic than "Hallowed." Because nitkadish means to create space for something which is, which is holy in our lives. Find a place in your life, inner, outer, which is holy, which is special. You remember, you remember, Loretta, Jesus talks about, you know, go into your inner closet and pray. Don't make a big show of things. Well, yeah. this inner closet is your heart. Yeah. This, this inner space is your heart. End of story. So hollow out your heart and make space for what the universe wants to give you. Nitkad is shemuk. And what is that? It's this shem. It's this light. It's this vibration. And then where do we go? Well, we, we, I already unpacked this one. Tete malkutach. 
Here's our, here's our Malkuta, friend. Let this Malkuta come because we need it, because we really need it individually, personally, collectively. Tete means not just um, let thy kingdom come, but like come, really come. There's an intense passion to that word, Tete. And then the first half of the prayer ends, beautiful prayer in itself. Nechwe Sibion Aikana Diba Shemaya Afba Well, usually the King James, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, the main thing to know here is that will is not some willpower that is pressing us down or controlling us from somewhere. This is better translated as what the heart's desire, the deep desire of the heart when we feel our heart embedded in the heart of the cosmos. Sibiyanach. Jesus uses this word quite often in different forms in the Gospels. Let your heart's desire do what? Well, we had the Malkuta gives us the vision. Well, we need to unite our individual life, Arah, which is earthiness, and Shemaya, our life everywhere in community, our life in connection with cosmos, with the unseen. We need to bring those together. And where does that happen? happens in the heart again <laughs> all about the heart because sibyanach is a is a heart or it's a heart word it's a heart it always points to the heart now the second half of the prayer is about how we can live our lives while we're here and sort of doing the best we can so it's if the first half is like a connection this way and all around us the second half is okay here we are here and now in these bodies what we're going to do what are our challenges and so he says, uh, King James, give us this day our daily bread. It's not bad, but you know, it's not just about bread, uh, wheat or otherwise. Lachma can be food, any food. It's, bread was symbolical, you could say, for any food in the Middle East, and it still is in many places, actually. It's sort of like quintessentially food, although Arabic changes the word into meaning meat for some reason. I'm not sure why, but anyway, uh, I guess meat became more essential than wheat bread at that time. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's a total digression. Excuse me, I tend sure, to do that. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, no, that's good. Lachma is what we need to sustain ourselves. And so the prayer says, give us, or, and again, a person just wrote to me about this on the internet. It's very true. This give us is not a demand. There was always a sense of, of opening to devotion to source. You could say please is not there in the Aramaic because it wasn't used in this way in the ancient Semitic languages. You didn't have to say please, it was presumed that you weren't gonna demand anything from the divine. Uh, this please and thank you thing only comes up later when we start to forget our connection to the divine. And then we forgot to forget our connection that the divine is in each other. So we have to say please and thank you. And okay, fair enough. You know, it's better than nothing, but, you know, <laughs> that, that sense of re deep respect, which we find in many traditions, was there in, in all the ancient traditions. We find it in Sanskrit, in the Namaste, we find it in most ancient native traditions, of course. Again, bit of a digression. So, give us this food that we need for this moment, for this illuminated moment, because a day is not just a 24-hour day, it's this moment. Do I have a family? Do I need to provide for them? Do I have a community? Is there any responsibility there? So for whatever circle of life I'm involved with, really speaking, 
give us this food, not just physical food either, either, not just food for body, but lachma can be food for the mind, food for the emotions. Again, it didn't, Aramaic doesn't divide things up between mind, body, spirit, emotions. This is all connected, you could say, and it's another big difference from our current languages. And then the big challenge, or one of the big challenges, forgiveness. Uh, King James says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Uh, that's um, Matthew, tra- translation from Matthew. Uh, Luke uses the word debts, I think, in the King James translation, or the King James translators did. Listen to the Aramaic. This one is worth saying more slowly because it has some very unusual sounds. So just breathe and listen to this one. Washbuklan Chaubain Wachtahain Aikana Duff Hanan Shwachan Lachayavain. I've only slightly emphasized those sounds, which again we find quite common in Semitic languages Hebrew, Aramaic, Arabic. Um, and in this case, it means there are different sorts of these sounds. It means that our our self, our individual self, is trying to let go of something, is trying to clear something, like clearing my throat, or, you know, that's a, you know, mm-hmm. this is like clearing the self, the individual self, of things that we no longer need to hold on to. The other main thing to know about this one is it's not if-then. If I do that, then I get the goodies later. No, this is synchronicity here in Aramaic. This is another big difference. Past, present, and future are not disconnected from one another in Aramaic or the ancient Semitic languages. So whatever whatever happens now is done in the past, carries on into the future. So across all times and spaces, this forgiveness can happen. You may not believe that that's true, but it is true and it can happen if we really want it, if we, if we feel deeply in our hearts that this releasing can happen. Um, that's, I, there's other nuances there, but you could, p- people can read about that. And then the lines that are most commonly mistranslated, not just limited translation, but mistranslation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, I wondered as a child, why would God lead us into temptation? You can ask people, you can ask your Sunday school teacher, they'll, they'll hush, up, hush you up real quick if you ask that one. But it doesn't say that. It says, do not let us enter temptation. If you want to use the translation of temptation, but really nisyuna means forgetfulness. Forgetfulness of what? Forgetfulness of where we came from before we entered these bodies and where we're going. Forgetfulness of the big picture of everything he's talked about in the prayer before that. Don't let us, you know, help us. And it's phrased in the negative because it's going to happen anyway. We are going to forget because it's part of the, the duality of life, remembrance, forgetfulness. So, don't let us enter forgetfulness. Back to our old friend Bisha. So, don't let us enter, don't, uh, set us free from this unripeness. Yes, we will sometimes be out of time, out of place, acting inappropriately, but just, you know, set us free from that as much as possible so we are more and more ripe. But it is phrased in the negative because 
in the ancient Semitic languages, they understood that this is all part of our inner being. There's no good denying that we're going to sometimes be unripe and sometimes be forgetful. Just include it, include it, include it, and it will gradually, you know, how do we say? It gradually fades in significance. Final line, we're almost home free. This is the line that's only in Matthew, not in Luke. Metul de lache malkuta, wachayla wateshbuchta, lalam alameen, amen. What is it? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Well, enough said on the kingdom. We already dealt with that. Metul de lache malkuta, wachayla. So it's the energy with the vision, and it's the life energy, wachayla, that allows us to go through life. This is the embodied life energy. One thing that's good to remember is that Jesus never talks about life as anywhere else but here and now and everywhere all the time. It's all the same life. And this trinity is completed by a song, a harmony, which knits our, our, our lives together or can knit our lives together like a song, like a beautiful song. Amen. May this be where our lives start to come from more and more and more. May this be the ground from which our new growth comes. Amen, amen, amen. So I almost made it. <laughs> I love that so much. And um, wow. Yeah, I'm I'm going to learn that. I just love it. I was saying during the break um, to Neil how, how beautiful uh, the Aramaic language is. To me, it's music. And my heart just goes, wow right? So there's something in it. I, I so appreciate that. Um, I'm going to put out the biggest teaser for people to get your book because we barely scratched the surface. Like, I, I, Neil, we, we could do a, a 24-hour talk or something. but Marathon. I, <laughs> marathon, for sure. But if you've ever had questions like, what does that really mean? You know, like, you cover everything that Jesus said and talk about it so here's some teasers for people what did jesus uh, did jesus turn water into wine um what does he mean when they talk about the serpent in the wilderness what is what does it mean when he, he goes to make mansions in my father's house how did jesus heal blah 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 right anything you've ever wondered what about john three sixteen? right yeah what about that son. what about that <laughs> did jesus die on the cross did jesus actually live you actually address all of these things in this wonderful book Revelation i tried jesus <laughs> yes so we are down to the last like 30 seconds where can people find you what do you want to say uh thanks loretta it's been a great talk with you i really enjoyed it and you know uh yeah people can find me at my website i'm on facebook also you can google Neil Douglas hyphen clots or my website is abwoon.org. Avun is as you may remember the first line of the prayer. Um, or you can Google Revelations of the Aramaic Jesus and that will take you into a back door of the site and, and the book's sort of own website. So there's a lot there. There's a lot of things to download and you, know, you can rummage around there and enjoy. Well, thank you so much, Neil Douglas Klotz, for being on my show today. And for everybody out there, remember, Jupiter and Venus are kissing. So keep it in your heart. And uh, it's, always, it's always about love. That's what it is. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on my show. And Benny, you are the best.